0: Welcome back to The Great Indoors. Before we dive into today's interview, I want to tell you about our next season, which will be recorded live at MWC Barcelona from February the 26th to the 29th. You'll hear from industry experts, explore new innovations, and gain new insight into the world of connectivity. New episodes coming early March, wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, you've guessed it, TGI is back in Las Vegas. Welcome to The Great Indoors, a podcast where we look at the technological implications brought about by the next industrial revolution and how this can potentially help solve the biggest problems facing humanity. I'm your host, Matt Roberts, and joining me is my co-pilot and producer, Larissa Yee. And this time, some even more special guests. So for this new season, we have episodes that focus specifically on Canada and also interviews that we recorded at MWC Las Vegas this year. And that's where we'll start today in fabulous Las Vegas. And for the third year in a row, The Great Indoors is the GSMA's official podcast for MWC Las Vegas, the biggest technology and telecom show in the United States. Unfortunately, however, for various reasons, I couldn't make the trip to Nevada this year, so I asked a good friend to help me out. And that good friend is Amdocs' own Mike McDade. Now, Mike hosts his own Amdocs podcast, Your Career, Is It Choice or Chance? And that's why he's a perfect stand-in to join the TGA family for this special week. So I'm really excited to introduce Mike to the family. I know he's had a great time in Las Vegas with some great guests So take it away, Mike.
1: Thank you, Matt. You are right. I am thrilled to be hosting the podcast from wonderful Las Vegas. It was a terrible sacrifice for me to go to Las Vegas. I have to be honest. I went with high aspirations and I returned with with less money than what I started with. So, But I guess this is the uh, the moral of the Las Vegas story, right? So I did want to highlight before we start that one of the new things that we introduced this season is the TGI Open Mic. And with the TGI Open Mic, we opened the great indoors to the wider population at MWC Las Vegas uh, to get the pulse of everything that they were hearing, they were thinking, they were seeing. We invited all of the attendees to join us there and to share their viewpoints on the hottest topics of the day across the wide world of technology. On this special episode of The Grid indoors I am joined by not one, but two different guests. The first is Caroline Chan, the vice president of the Network and Edge Group at Intel. And the second is Matt Hatton, a founding partner at Transforma Insights. Caroline and I will talk about the state of 5G. We'll talk a little bit about where we see Edge today and Edge Compute tomorrow and a wide variety of technologies in between, including VRAN and ORAN, the evolution of MPN, and and of course, how AI and generative AI are intersecting all of these domains. Matt and I will talk about the evolution of IoT, specifically where we started and where we are today, where we may have missed the mark and why we are big believers in the future of IoT, including some of the emerging technologies there, and of course, the role of AI in those domains. And of course, across both speakers, we have an interesting parallel because in the end, we end up talking a little bit about how industry vertical use cases are served by both types of technology, both from a 5G perspective and an IoT perspective. So I hope you enjoyed the discussion. I am delighted to be joined today by Caroline Shen, Vice President of the Network and Edge Group at Intel. Caroline, welcome
2: to the show. Thank you for having me. It's been a fun show for us. Firstly, let's talk
1: about you. So we, we yeah. talked a little bit about your background, but but maybe if you can give us a couple lines on, on you know, who you are, what you're doing, where you came from, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah. So I'm a Vice President at the Network Edge Group, like you dis- uh, sure. described. So it is a group that really focusing on not just the connectivity. Connectivity becomes on RAM to the edge, to driving, uh, modernizing a smarter edge that really benefit the enterprises, the vertical business, industrial, hospital, education, federal government, smart cities. So those are all our our business in the edge side that compounded by our 5G Mm RAN, 5G core business, security gateway, SASE business. So we provide silicon platform as software to the uh, ecosystems.
1: Got it. You know, we're seeing it creep in more gradually, right? Like we're seeing these these applications, these use cases, these, you know, whatever you want to refer to, right, as really a byproduct of the technology being widely available. Do you see it more like a gradual wave or you see like, a, you know, a major uh, thing coming that we should be excited about?
2: The first wave of 5G is for eMBB. But the next wave, which I think is really the more important part of 5G, especially the monetization, how do you bring value to the ecosystem? It's about digitization, it's about URLC, if I get geek out a little bit. sure. It's about connecting all the IoT devices. If we've done that right, Mm -hmm. in other words, the second wave of the 5G right, it will transform the industry the same way that LTE has.
1: Maybe what we should talk about next is where we do see this massive inflection point, if you want to use that term, or like, you know, really, I think the the enterprise side of things, which is, I I think, where you spend a lot of your time as well, right? So maybe you can give us a little flavor for how Intel and how you are thinking about the the opportunity there.
2: We see that as really the biggest bang for the buck for, for 5G, going from... 4G to 5G, like upgrading your, your smartphone is one key factor. But the bigger one, which is both, we call them TAM expansion, total addressable market expansion. Beyond that, you think about all the benefits you can bring to a smarter factory, smarter hospital, uh, smarter city. It has a way of bringing a much greater incremental value to the ecosystem. And not just that, You I am confident out of this, you're going to grow a new Uber, a new lift that will come out of a new Venmo. I am 100% convinced that we together done this right. It will trans, it will automate the factories, it will change how the factories and the hospital being mm-hmm. run. Now, I'll, I'll give you an example. So my. Sure. Daughter happened to be a first-year resident in a hospital in New Jersey, yeah. and she was just telling me. As you, as well you rotate through different parts, right. she was just telling me that uh, there was a uh, unfortunately very bad car crash in a highway. And as they coming in, and they were getting ready for that, but they don't know. The level of injury, sure. they don't know much other than the, the, the vitals. The, the, bad, the, the vital, yeah. they just sporadic information coming right. in right. over the walkie, folk talking uh-huh. from the ambulance. So when they came in, they had to scramble, right. get all the vitals, get the stats of who the patients so are. Imagine mm-hmm. if this was a connected ambulance, which I have seen, ironically, in India. Yeah. All the vital could have come in. Let's think about if, if, if it's a heart attack, Stroke patients, sure. that every minute.
1: Right, every, every second, second of the uh, timeline. It's
2: a life and death situation. If that situation had been there, imagine what could have been done to transform, improve significantly a patient's chance of full recovery. So when I think of this, I really think about 5G Advanced. Done it right, it really will improve people's lives, not just bringing revenue. Of course, we worry (laughs) about revenue, but we ultimately want to leave a legacy to the future population.
1: I was uh, kind of laughing to myself, right, when you were talking about uh, virtualized RAN early on, right? And I kind of think of VRAN as still, you know, it's a a maturing technology, right? We're seeing, you know, growth in that space, obviously. So you've been kind of doing VRAN before VRAN, right? Like you were involved here early on. Can you give us some flavor on how you're thinking about the underlying technology?
2: I think the underlying tech through the entire ecosystem investment is getting maturing. Sure. So some people might say, "Oh, o it's is now going as fast." Sure. But remember, the telco industry is very conservative. Sure. We don't do things rash. We wanted to see proof it. But you see, you start seeing o now in uh, Greenfield, Dish Network in, uh, here in the here United States, Rakuten in Japan, and we've seen now some private networks adopting. ORAD, especially in many of the uh, bases here in the United States sure. under DOD, Department of Defense, uh, investment. Vodafone just announced ORAD is going to be rolled out in one of the most mature brownfield markets United Kingdom. United sure. yep. no, Kingdom. That is a milestone. Yep, Intel has so confident in this. We actually invest in fourth generation of Xeon called Sapphire Rapids EE, where sure. we put the 5G O-RAN acceleration directly into the CPU compound. That's a first. We don't do that unless we know this industry is going to go, because sure. that's a huge investment to make. In
1: the, in the physical form, right?
2: We put our money where our mouth is. Sure. We got to see the benefit of this first hand in enterprise, in a private network. Because when you have a desegregated network, when you have a cloud native network, sure. the things that you're gonna see in a cloud will materialize in the network that would directly benefit our enterprise customers.
1: So this, you know, now uh, you mentioned private network. Did you see anything here that got you excited? Anything new, things that, uh, you know, tie really nicely to what to what Intel is doing?
2: Well, first of all, as I mentioned at the beginning, I've now my new mission is to run five G monetization, which includes private network. Sure. Like you, I see a lot of private network in display, and the more exciting things I see a lot AR, VR start happening in private network. Ultimately, private network to me is an on ramp to a much smarter edge, bringing some of the AI into play and bringing some of the immersive. where we previously could not have, because public network is great, it's wonderful, but public network is done to serve a broader population. It's more difficult to give a SLA level to a particular enterprise, like a factory, something that's really critical needs to happen or a hospital where you cannot afford to lose SLA so in that cases you could you deliver that either through a network slice from operator in the united states and there's also cbrs a shared spectrum and people are being using it and successfully rolling out in different batteries and oil and gas Fields and uh, bases, I think I mentioned before, military sure. bases. So there are many ways to deploy this and leverage the faster connectivity, the ultra reliable, ultra low latency to achieve some of the business results yep. that cannot otherwise achieve.
1: TGI,
0: <laughs> open mic.
3: I'm Ron Westfall, Research Director at the Futurum Group. One that definitely comes to mind is 5G monetization. And I believe that we're seeing some breakthroughs and innovations that are helping the cause. I believe that first of all, 5G itself is making progress in areas such as more operators are implementing 5G standalone. And what that means is that they'll have more capabilities, uh, basically coming from the core their network and that can i believe provide the foundation for enabling more 5g monetization use cases and i think one thing that we're definitely seeing here at the show are capabilities such as gen ai that are helping that cause for example gen ai capabilities are basically going to allow operators the telcos to use their existing oss bss data to basically unlock, unleash more capabilities. That is, uh, they need a trusted partner, such as an Amdocs, that can provide a trusted gateway, a knowledge base for using OSS, BSS data to better enable uh, monetization. And that includes, for example, being able to have a better understanding as to how customers are responding to uh, 5G enabled services. On the enterprise side, uh, what I see that is uh, very encouraging is the fact that, again, 5G standalone capabilities are enabling things such as T-Mobiles, 5G SASE offering. That was uh, an announcement here at the show, and that's uh, demonstrating that, yes, the operators are coming up with ways to use standalone capabilities to offer new services that uh, can help stand out. And what's encouraging about that particular offering is that it's SIM-based. And so it's using the built-in security and capabilities of 5G SIM technology and mobile SIM technology in general to enable such a capability. Another thing that I see encouraging is that we're seeing more developers, I think, becoming more interested in using telco network capabilities to design applications that are specific to operator offerings for example it could be improved uh, home networking security capabilities improved hybrid workforce offerings uh, for example that again uh, links to uh, sassy uh, capabilities also uh, i think we're seeing companies such as qualcomm bringing innovation to things such as on-device AI capabilities that is enabling uh, the users to have more privacy assurances and how they use AI technology. As we know, there is still concern out there in terms of, for example, using cloud-based AI training and inferencing. However, by having uh, AI implemented on the device, and that can be up to millions or even a billion parameters, but I think we're seeing uh, a stronger use case for using AI in terms of the entire 5G ecosystem, using uh, what the uh, cloud can offer in combination with uh, what devices uh, distribute across millions of users on the business as well as the consumer side. So I think there's definitely some encouraging progress we're seeing at the show here. And as a result, I anticipate that 5G monetization is something that will definitely get some wind behind its sails uh, from this week's event.
1: You used a, a term uh, that you, mobile private networks are, are kind of the, the bridge between the cloud and the mm-hmm. edge. So can you give us a little kind of thinking about, let's call it the power of the edge moving forward and how you think that's going to bring you know, value to the industry? We right. see a
2: right. lot of data being generated on the edge. In fact, we see the fastest growing data uh, uh, by 2026, all of the data, more than 50% of it will be generated on the edge. If some even say 70%, 80%. Do we need to move all of the data from the edge to the cloud, or do we want to process some of the data on the edge sure. because of latency concerns, right. cost of moving everything to the cloud? That that. Yeah, and you could do inference on the edge in a very contextual, timely factor. So we see the shift to do this on the edge, but this is all enabled because now you have a strong, broad, rapid, low latency, reliable connectivity, sure. the network between the edge and the cloud. So we now see a much more unified edge, mm-hmm. network, and cloud becoming one. Where you put the data, where you analyze the data, is up to the enterprise decide based on your particular needs and use case. Sure. You're no longer constrained. You do what you need to do because now the underlying and the edge, smart edge, allow you to do so.
1: Maybe I'm going down the. uh Avenue of trick questions with you, so you just have to bear with me. But I think we danced around kind of the history of IoT here a little bit, right? And, and we we talked about the, that evolution. And I actually actually want to combine two things. One one is this kind of comment around around IoT's evolution, right? The second thing is you know your comments earlier in our discussion that that we're a bit conservative as an industry, right? If you look at telecom in general, right? Are we you know in a way putting ourselves at risk of creating all these pockets that aren't future ready? Like, are we creating another? you know, fragmented IoT universe here in, in this new technology?
4: The
2: mobile industry really runs on scale. We want to create, blueprint, we want to create recipe. We don't want to create isolation that we recreate for every every single uh, use cases and verticals and that doesn't scale. That sure. doesn't do anybody any good. So I think we learn from that. We got to do things differently. I, I am very confident we're not going to create the isolated islands. And-
1: sure. We hear a lot of buzz about generative AI, right? We, we, But I think people forget that there's still a major role for what I would call traditional AI here, right? So can you tell us a little bit about how how you're thinking about it how you see the opportunity there? Yeah,
2: for, for our group, because we're on the network edge side, we're, we really focusing on number one is network AI. Sure. Since we are providing the most fundamental technology, something called a silicon platform and the fundamental enabling software. So we have a lot of telemetry. Thinking, think about the way that you will do power control in a traditional way. It tends to be open loop. But because we're telemetry, because we can run AI in the network now, our silicon is actually designed now with AI built in into this, both from an instruction set, from a silicon perspective. We have invested tremendously in network AI. So edge AI is another aspect that we really invest in. We have investing softwares like OpenVino, sure. Edge Insight, building OpenVino is a tool to help developers to, to build language model. All of these is investment that we made from ground up. Not not mentioning the, the silicon investment sure. we made to yep. enable uh, AI running on edge. So AI does not all, only had to happen on in the cloud. AI can very well happen on the edge, very cost-effectively running all CPU alone. So this is the goal that we're, we're taking, and we do see a lot of use cases today that edge AI will benefit the ecosystem as a whole.
1: What about the next twelve months? Is there something that you know, A, you're excited about? B, you've got a milestone uh, in your mind that you'd like to see? What keeps you uh, coming to work in the morning, so to speak?
2: I serve on the CTIA board. We just had a board meeting. And one of the the major rally cry is that we need to monetize the investment that we have made in 5G collectively. So 5G monetization is going to be, I'm going to invest my time. I know Intel is focusing much on that. And that calls for collaboration across the board. We can't do this by ourselves, right. you know. And I think in the next 12 months, we're going to see very significant lighthouse use cases and customers. Sure, That puts us to the end of 2024. And I do expect to see scale. Certainly my management, expect to see <laughs> some return of investment.
1: think we all hope for that, for sure. Yeah. But-, uh,
2: but next thing we need to know, see is some marquee, industrials, hospitals, educations, and venues. Uh, we're going to see some, uh, really good uh, showcases showing that yes 5g is not just about connectivity yes 5g can bring different use cases and benefit onto the enterprises and all of that will eventually becomes a blueprint for us to go forward to 6g and that will also impact how we design softwares how we design silicons and a lot of good things are gonna next 12 months it's gonna be very
1: critical. The most exciting 12 months yet, right? That's, uh, that's yeah. how we think about it. So last thing before we let you go, we have a pop quiz of sorts. Oh, it's, it's, I did
0: you
2: tell me that. Oh, my we goodness. We
1: don't like to prepare anyone. We oh, like to get no. honest answers. Oh, no. uh, so it's what we call our TGI to go. <laughs> this is uh, the great indoors to go. So it's where we ask you five rapid fire questions. We just get, the, get the, a better feel of, of uh, your personality. So you ready?
2: Yep.
0: TGI to go. So first
1: one, Barry Manilow or Rod Stewart? Rod Stewart. That's a quick answer. Chili or clam chowder? Clam chowder. Did you spend time in uh, New England? Boston. Ah, okay, okay, this makes sense, makes sense. Uh, running or yoga? Yoga. Okay. Bad knees. Little, uh, Bad <laughs> need. <laughs> okay, this is a bit of an unfair question, but Dallas or Fort Worth?
2: Dallas. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Uh, you know, Fort Worth has got its
1: little uh, sprinkles of gems there, right? So sprinkles. Uh, <laughs> Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Star Wars. I think it's a trend. Everyone seems to love uh, love Star Wars. So, yep. Caroline. Thank you very much. We appreciate you spending the time with us. It's uh, been a pleasure. Yeah, it was a delightful. discussion. Always
2: a uh, this thing started right when you say I used to work in Oh uh, I know. I,
1: I'm not sure if it sets a good a good uh, level or not, but it's it's a good way uh, good way to get us started. And and I hope uh, you know if we end up back here again next year, I, I hope you're uh, you find a few minutes to chat with us again. We'd love to have you back. We'd love to. Uh, and I'm sure we'll chat uh, throughout the year. So great having you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I am delighted to be joined today by Matt Hatton, the founding partner of Transform Insights. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Delighted to be here. Glad you're glad you can make time to join us. Maybe give a quick background who you are, where you came from, what you're doing today, and then we'll, and then we'll get into some of the more uh, topical things. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Matt Hatton, one of the founding partners at Transform
5: Insights. We're a technology research and consulting firm. Relatively new, about coming up on four years, I think, now, but not not my first time around. I founded a company called Makina Research back in 2011. Sold that to Gartner in 2016. You know, my background is in is in telco. So True. everything that was an overlap between IoT and telco was always cool stuff. But then starting to look at some of these other technology areas around AI so, and, and blockchain and edge and all, right, all sorts right. of things. Oh, of lots of intersection, lots of Completely. Yep. So so what we do, we work with uh, technology vendors, technology yep. adopters. Effectively, what we have is the luxury of talking to all of the great and the good of the industry yep. to understand what they do, who right. they are, what their technologies do, all of these various things. And then we can kind of synthesise it, work out what the trends are that are happening, what the implications of all of these changes, and then share that with the the clients that we have. So it's not yeah. like we're particularly the the biggest brains in the room, it's, right? But we we have probably the greatest access of yep. just about anybody in the in the space. Talk to, right. to
1: everybody, yeah, yeah com- completely. So you co-authored a book, right, in in twenty twenty. Okay. But but you came to some conclusions there around kind of why we are where we are today and what that looks like going forward. You finished that book in 2020 right it's been a few years we've had some time to see how these like uh, let's call them revised or evolving predictions are going so what's your what's your view now do you have a an updated perspective i i do i think there was a few challenges that
5: we had with IoT back in well the 2010s should we say and what we tried to do in the book is that pick some of those apart. Sure. One one of those was that there were some really aggressive predictions about. Okay, I, I still I, remember the uh, Ericsson report from back in uh, the day. Right. Completely. Yeah. And we tried to pick apart. Okay, well, why did that not happen? Well, right. one of the reasons was that was way way too overly aggressive sure. anyway. Yeah. And we were forecasting the market at that time, and our forecasts were about a quarter of that. Sure. So, and part of the problem, everything is very specific to a particular use case. Sure. Right. And there's not this single unifying platform. There's not a single unifying technology. Everything's very fragmented. Oh, yeah. And and, a and, yeah, and and all of the industries work at their own kind of a pace. Yeah. And any predictions about hockey sticks are always going right. to be uh, hopeful, right. Should we, no, we ambitious, said, it, or maybe self-serving. In the worst case, it's on you. You, you, you <laughs> may very well say that I couldn't possibly comment. Of course not. Of course not. But I think what we what we've seen is more of a realization that that's the case. There's a lot more of a recognition of horses for courses, more technologies that are more appropriate for particular use cases, and more of a recognition that this is actually a services industry. These sure. companies that are deploying this stuff. This is not core for them. This is yep. not a core activity for them. And I think there was a bit of a reticence to get involved in that hand awning because it's not spectacularly scalable, right? Everybody wants to be the equivalent of a sales force yep. in yep. their in their industry. Right? It's a horizontal, the, the platform and the, yeah, yep. it, it, exactly yeah. Exactly right. And it turned out that the needs of different sales forces, they're pretty similar within certain... Yep.
1: certain you're serving, you're serving the same uh, general lead, right? Like, it,
5: it, exactly. Whereas within IoT, it is just so yeah. spectacular. It could be a, the dog collar, the phone, or the, you know, with the Enterprise XYZ, co- right? Co- completely. Yeah. So it that's rather more challenging. But what we're seeing, I, I think, it is more of a recognition that that's the case, when you
1: think about this, the maturity of, of devices and, and the the connectivity technology that, that brings those devices into the IoT ecosystem, so obviously that's evolved a lot in the yeah. last 10 years as well, right? Or the 10, 15 even. Can you comment a little on the, the underlying, what's called the underlying connectivity technology that's, that's powering that evolution? Right? Yeah. Because it's not they, just the devices, right? I think a lot of people think just devices. Well, I, I
5: think this is another one of those reasons to be cheerful, sure, if I can put it that way, is that we've got something that we refer to as thin IoT or thin IoT yep. stack, right? you've got a set of technologies now which are way, way more appropriate for delivering IoT in constrained environments
1: than they were 10, 15 years ago. With the introduction of low power back in the day, it was a, it was a, I don't know, I don't want to say stretch, that's maybe unfair, but it, it wasn't widespread and it wasn't scalable and it wasn't et cetera. Now, we start to see that that is right and it's a i'm certainly getting them and
5: some of the middleware platforms and the device technology eSIM, icm all of these types of types of technology certainly help now they help with deploying in constrained environments but but then that brings its own challenges i mean that does open up the opportunity to connect a whole lot more devices but you are working within some much tighter parameters where you were piggybacking on some of the older technologies, well, you could you, you had some margin of error because they weren't designed for for IoT, and so you probably had rather more bandwidth than you right. need. These heavier, are heavier, uh, heavier connectivity yeah. devices. Like that. Exactly. Right. How often am I reporting? How big are the data? For sure. Packages yeah. that all,
1: all of that kind of stuff. It's, it's interesting to see, you know, this kind of connected by design concept, right? How that will make it maybe more widespread and more scalable moving forward, right? it
5: should do and can I throw something else yes, into that, that as well which is around ai i know we we're, sure. we're for sure going to be we'll talking talk a little, little bit about, about a little bit about ai but, but the interesting thing with ai is well, suddenly you've got to start thinking more carefully about where the payload sits, where sure. the processing sits in the network. Is it on the edge device? Is it somewhere within the network? Is it back in the data center? Yeah, how close how, does it need to be? Yeah, how, yeah. exactly. There's a, a subsidiarity question. Right. So where, where do you put the put the processing? And that has... Implications for what your choices of technology are. Yep. If you're only That's going to be sending a tiny amount of data back because you're doing all the process on the edge device, well, you yep. would use one type of technology. If you're streaming video, definitely 4K video apps, of the somewhere, it's a different. Yeah. It's yeah. gonna, it's gonna work in a in a different way. That question of where AI happens mm-hmm. is inextricably linked with how you architect your uh, I/O solutions yeah. as, as well. So it's, you know, it's it's fascinating. Stuff.
4: Hello everyone, my name is Sanjay Kumar Mishra. I'm an AVP for Telecom Media and Entertainment at HCL Technologies Limited. And I'm here today to talk about the impact that 5G, IoT and AI are having on the world today. Machines are truly taking over the world. IoT is transforming everyday objects like cars, homes, even your refrigerator into smart things, into information ecosystems, which are in turn enriching our lives. Therefore, it's not surprising that IoT is touching literally every industry and the consumers. Even some of the traditional industries like manufacturing are adopting IoT in a bid to get to industry 4.0. Today, the entire mobile industry is working to ensure that 5G is able to propel the massive IoT potential. Thanks to the rise of 5G and IoT, there are already 15 billion devices connected in the world today. To put things in perspective, this is twice the global population that exists today. And believe me or not, this is going to double further by the time we reach 2030. Organizations therefore have to do a lot to keep up with the changes, keep up with the transformations in AI, generative AI, as well as 5G, private 5G, network slicing to stay ahead of the curve or they will be left behind. This is the only way they are going to meet their goals as well as the goals of their end users experiences. System integrators like HCL Tech are right in the middle of it, they are at the convergence of all the various disparate elements that create this digital experience, whether it is network, or the hardware, or the software applications, or the things that drive user experience. HCL Tech brings all of that together for a superior customer experience. I am really excited that the interconnected world is finally here. I really feel that 5G, along with the massive IoT and AI principles, is truly going to change the world and take us towards a truly connected and intelligent world of tomorrow.
1: In the research that you do now, and in some of the predictions, do you see that, you know, we're at a some sort of inflection point where you know you're really seeing this massive adoption in enterprise verticals specifically, or do you, or do you see the mix somehow different?
5: I think it's still mixed. I think it was notable that the some of the barriers to adoption in consumer weren't as pronounced as they might be on the yep. enterprise side of things. Sure, right. Now, notwithstanding that, it turns out nobody wants a connected toothbrush. Sure, right. So, right. connected wine really bottle. Test uh, use cases. Right. Yeah, c- uh, completely. Sure. But but actually, it tends to be the more human factors, should we say, that sure. have, or organizational and operational factors, should we say, that, that have been the things that have held it back. That's probably yep. proving the concept, understanding that how it will impact on the on the organization and its sure. and its operations is the most significant thing for for enterprise adoption and we possibly kind of thought that they would see the value immediately and and, and, and adopt adopting know adopts faster but actually it takes a while to kind of get over that hump of understanding the implications for the for the organisation and how it how it affects operations.
1: It yeah. helped me maybe connect the dots a little bit to what you're seeing in the IoT landscape today, right? And then, and then maybe we'll go one level deeper on uh, on generative AI specifically. Yeah. So if
5: we take a, a, a step back a little bit, you can you can think of AI and IoT as uh, almost a continuum, or one thing uh, influences the, influence okay. the other, because the starting point for IoT was. I'm going to connect this thing to monitor it, sure. and then I'm going to connect it to control it. Right, and then the next step That's on the map idea is, and then, and then uh, the next one is automate Sure. Okay. Well, if I'm automating it, how am I going to automate it? Sure. Well, uh, AI is the pretty
1: obvious thing right. to include in that. Let's fast forward 12 months or 24 months. Right. 5G is now like wider spread than it is today. Adoption is better. Uh, you know, enterprises are are using it in different ways. Uh, and we also have chips that are more efficient and lower cost and lower power and everything else. which I assume are operating at some, or some evolving at some scale, right? Do we think that that's like a major inhibitor today, and therefore it's going to accelerate the adoption longer term? Like, how, how do you think about kind of the maturity of those of those technologies?
5: I think it can only help if, if if you think about things like um, ECM, ICM. That's that's a pretty good. It's, it's a pretty pretty good. Example. Exam, uh, where. Effectively, you're reducing the power consumption. Sure. reducing the uh, bit of materials. Nope. Probably, you, you're certainly uh, reducing the size of the uh, of the devices. Um, so yes, it, implicitly, having those new technologies does make it easier to to, to, to roll out. Sure. A- absolutely, not least because it takes a while for everybody to get used to how the technology is work and right. what, they, right. what the implications right. are of, of right. them. Uh, now I'll go to
1: Generative AI for yeah. a second. So like everybody, uh, you know, you can't walk down the hallway here at everybody's in Las Vegas without without uh, hearing about it or talking about it. But I am curious on the IoT Space see, Uh what, what you see, healthcare is yeah absolutely the number one that
5: comes up as, yeah. a, as, as, as a vertical. And it can be anything from... Figures of twenty five percent improvements in CT scans sure. effectiveness, sure. and it, all the way through to really mundane stuff like facial recognition to make sure that person who's who's opening a, a Sh- pill should be there. Pot yeah. is the is, yeah. is, is, is the right person, no. or it's very
1: practical, right? Yeah,
5: you have to you have, it could, it could, completely. None of those are particularly IoT kind of kind of use cases, but it, I couldn't. Kind of let a discussion on AI go no, no, on AI right, yeah, without throwing yeah. in, in healthcare because it is it's so major. noticeably the the big one that 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 seems to
1: be making a lot of the uh, the running. Yeah, for sure we see real uh, real examples. I think really interesting examples yeah, yeah. of where we see that that kind of a, I mentioned before that the, the convergence of the technology and the devices and everything else kind of coming to maturity not at the same time, but in a, in a similar path. Mm. Uh, and we see real results out of that, right? So I, I think it's super. Uh, Super timely, super interesting, um, yeah. and and it's nice to see some
5: technology focus on things in the real world, right? Yep. When all of your innovation is aimed at making your search engine zero point zero zero one right, right, percent right. more effective, right. is
1: that helping? Does the, that right help right? The, the,
5: the world? Sure. Well, I mean, de- debatable, I guess, yep, but yep. but probably not. If it makes your crop harvesting 25 percent more sure. f- effective, sure. that
1: for me is yeah all of a sudden greenity. it's exciting right yeah, like, absolutely, uh, absolutely and it, you know there is a we, we didn't talk yet about uh, kind of you know, I'll I say IOT for good in this context right but AI for good is, is something I've been asking uh, other guests about and trying to trying to get a gauge of where they saw good examples of this obviously the, the agricultural thing is something we're super super passionate about and good experience with do you see this kind of let's call it broader technology for good IOT for good do you see good examples anything that, that comes to your mind that uh, I don't know gets you excited about the industry I, yeah we identified a clean dozen
5: of okay. technology areas, right? So not the dirty dozen, but yeah. a clean a dozen thing around, clean sure. around things like smart buildings and some smart cities use cases and turf yeah. fleet and supply chain and all of these, these yeah. different areas. And the reductions in CO2 emissions from, sure. for instance, more efficient fleet management yep. or the reduction in water consumption. We talked about agriculture already, yep. but one of the great things there is by having more targeted watering, you can massively reduce the, the water consumption sure. from, from agriculture. And a lot of it is to do with, is particularly IoT, but it's effectively where the rubber hits the road quite literally in, in, yeah, in okay. some cases. It's in the real world where all of the water's consumed, where the fuel's consumed, yeah. where the electricity is consumed. And if you can have some significant impact on, sure. on reducing that, uh, the, the consumption across all of those, you have a a good way of um, of uh,
1: saving the planet. A, it certainly would be, a, and I'm sure you guys have thought more about it than I have. But it would certainly be an interesting story, right? Mm-hmm. Like that this idea of all of these uh, verticals stacked on top of each other, and mm-hmm. the improvements that they're making at ABCDE, right? The agriculture, the you know efficiency of operating this, and the you know reach of that for access, and all of a sudden the economic value of that mm-hmm. is tremendous right? Yeah. economic and, and I don't know equity value I don't, I don't know how you characterize uh, that right but uh, super interesting right yeah, yeah we've tended to focus on the
5: environmental impact but sure. there's obviously a neat overlap between that
1: and economic return as well yeah, right if you're a everyone you, likes so to hear a good economic return on on something right so your for economic value as they say well it's very easy to have
5: a ESG goals ESG goals yeah. Yeah policy within an, within an organization but if that also comes alongside saving some money then, sure. and, you know it
1: seems to be more uh, ears listening yeah i, agree. I think <laughs> so it's, it's an easier sell within the sure. organization it's, it's it's super interesting so i, I want to just think about the next 12 months i'd I, I like to ask all of our guests about mm. about what they what they think is coming right it doesn't have to be a you know a concrete milestone it could be multiple things but just in, in your space you know is there something hopeful about something you're you're kind of looking forward to nine months from now? Something you think we should all be thinking about?
5: Maybe it's not looking forward to, but there's I think a pronounced we say decoudecification. Okay. Part of this is sure. just certain companies finding that actually the cloud wasn't the answer to, yeah. to where their storage and their processing needs sit, and actually on-prem maybe yeah. it's a it, maybe that's a good thing, and a lot of that is scale. We, we work a lot with uh, IoT MVNOs and right. they, right. the way they've tended to set up, to scale up, is using the cloud. They yep. put their core networks in the cloud. They put their connectivity management platforms. Everything yep. is cloud-based, yep. which gets you so far. True. But then, when, maybe when you're scaling to 100 million connections, which they might be hoping to do, maybe they need to yep. then rethink the, the the approach. And so, but there's also this decloudification with the move to Edge and move to various edge locations. Yep. So coming out of centralised, data the centers of things becomes super important. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes, I mean, absolutely. Yep. So that might be made by edge computing, so that yep. the, the, yep. the um, kind of mini data centres yep. centers at the edge of the of the network, or it might be on the device. And yep. so managing the relationship between all of those the, those things, which is incredibly important. But this whole dashed, but everything in a centralised data centre, yep. well maybe that's not quite the right approach. Five sure. G has a has a quite a significant role to, to play here. You know, we, we look at 5G and we say what's the opportunities associated with it? But actually we think the main implication is more to do with architecture than it's to do with anything else sure. because suddenly the with the the low latency of the 5G the the pinch point on the network isn't the access network anymore, sure. it's the core network or yep. it's the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the 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 backhaul yep. uh, part of part of it. And then you start to rethink okay, does it make sense to put everything in a centralized data center when it, I might be sending data over five hundred kilometers a thousand kilometers? Rather than doing that, you might put more intelligence at the at the edge, either at the edge of the sure. network or the edge of, the, of of the device. So it has some implications there. So it's it, it, those kinds of things that I'm, I'm looking at. And can I throw one other one? Yeah, of course. I, I, I talked a little bit about the being more service oriented, yeah. um, and there was. In the 2010s, there was maybe a, a quest from lots of the technology vendors to be a sort all-encompassing, unified platform for every single pod service, no. Yeah. No. and actually it hasn't come out like that. For sure. no. And companies have specific requirements that sit within the verticals and so a little bit more verticalization, yeah. understanding the needs of the customer, um, supporting in that way. Private networks, good, good yeah, example. Sure. Great example. Would we expect every private network or the same companies to be selling private networks to every different vertical? I, I don't think so. Right. I think right. you'll end up with companies that are specialists in stadia yeah. or manufacturing, manufacturing or, or hospitals yeah. or, or, or whatever because there's specific requirements that those those organisations have. So... I think that's a that's a good microcosm of that that kind of a trend. A bit
1: more vertical, sure. Yeah. No, I think, I think uh, vertical. It seems to be if it wasn't generative AI, it's certainly vertical was the buzzword of uh, of our event this week here in uh, Las Vegas. So, uh, I, I think every booth I walked by had some sort of vertical flavor, right? Even if they weren't in the the, the network, uh, the private network space. But yeah, yeah so. I think well, I've been pushing that message
5: for the last few years. So I've saying you've got to you've got to talk to people about their yeah. their vertical, and hopefully somebody gets.
1: It. I think it's uh, well, your message has gotten through i think okay well that's people uh people are heard it one way or another uh, all right so you are done most of the damage okay but now i have to switch gears i think that because you were here with us last year you probably remember that we have something called tgi to go yeah it, it is does. the most exciting part of our entire session i am sure no get to ask you right off the cuff and you have to give your gut response now fair warning there's no no right or wrong answer we aren't going to okay. judge you for that so well you may judge me a little uh, yeah. maybe, maybe a little but uh ahead. okay so ready to go yeah TGI to go. All right, first question. Uh, Rod Stewart or Donny Osmond? Well, it's going to be Rod the Mott. I, I, I felt like I knew where
5: you would go with that, but but, but good. Okay, got well, it. Like, not that he's much of a Mott these days, but, you know, it's <laughs> yeah, certainly,
1: certainly Rod. Maybe not, although I will say, you know, I was, I was joking with Joe, who was uh, on with us before, that that uh, Donny Osmond is still here at Vegas, right, doing Resident Evil. It has to be. Ten thousand years old. I, like I don't know how old, but but I mean the guy's been around forever, right? So maybe we'll do another artist. u two or Bruno Mars? If I have to pick, I'll go u two, but I'm I can't say I'm a huge fan. of it. Uh, Number two, Star Trek or Star Wars? Still Star Wars. Okay, you know, like it's like a fifty-fifty. Like half uh, the audience gets yeah, yeah. angry, half the audience is happy. So uh, Belize or Miami? Mm-hmm. I've not been
5: to either, I'll go uh. Belize. It'd be a new country for me. I'm uh, kind of an obsessive about visiting new country, so I'm at about a hundred okay. now. So uh, I, I say go for it. I like to uh, like to get to anywhere I can. So Belize,
1: so I like it. I think uh, I, I spent some time in Ambergris uh, Key, which is like one of the keys in Belize. Beautiful. So worth worth the trip when you go. Uh, Italian or Japanese food? Oh, Japanese. Uh, last one: hiking or swimming? definitely hiking really i'm a big that's- i'm a big
5: hiker and i've never been a big swimming no man, so not, uh yeah. not making sure you have a pool in your backyard and everything else that kind of thing no no not, well maybe for bobbing around a little bit but i'm <laughs> i've
1: i've been casual swimming use. has never been my my You're not doing uh, laps and uh, activities <laughs> great well matt i really appreciate it thank you for taking time uh, and joining us again uh we hope it's a trend we hope you'll come back next year and then we'll be able to uh have you chat with us again we uh, we really appreciate it yeah my pleasure Hopefully, it's clear I enjoyed my discussions, both with Caroline and with Matt, and, and both on two diverse but but somehow closely related topics. If you enjoyed the discussions, I hope you'll leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. And if you'd like to learn more, please join us at www.mdocs.com forward slash the great indoors.